the superiority of the new covenant over the old covenant. And if the old covenant is superior, or if the new covenant is superior to the old covenant, it will mean that the priesthood of Jesus, who is the initiator of the new covenant, his priesthood will be superior to the Roman priesthood. I think I've said that, right? And you believe that. So there is no there is no one to compare to Jesus. Amen. And then we've been talking about what makes Christ and his work be superior to that of the Old Testament priesthood. And we said number one is that Christ's sacrifice is superior in the access it provides. We said that last week. And uh, number two, we say that Christ's sacrifice is superior in its acceptableness. In its acceptableness. I think that was what we were discussing last week before we digress on a side journey to explain something else. Hallelujah. So maybe we should just do a little bit of it. Then we move to the third one. And we turn back to the next thing that we have to do. Amen. So Christ's sacrifice is superior in its acceptableness. In other words, the way how God accepted the offering of Jesus is different from the way he accepted the offerings of Aaron. Do you get it now? So the, the priest priesthood of the New Testament is often was accepted differently from the ironic priesthood offerings and sacrifices. I follow you know. See, now, one of the things that happened or difference between the priesthood of the New Testament, that is, who is Jesus, and the priesthood of the Old Testament, the priesthood the priesthood of the Old Testament, they offer the blood of animals and bulls, which is not capable of removing our sins. They are temporary sacrifice and not permanent sacrifice. But the case of Jesus, the offering of Jesus was permanent. That once and for all offering take away sin completely. When the angel of God visited Mary to announce the coming of the Lord Jesus, he told Mary that you shall conceive and bear a son, and you call his name Jesus, for he shall save. His people from their sins. Can you see that? So, the primary purpose why Christ came, as announced by the angel of the Lord to Mary, is to take care of sin problem. Are you following me now? The problem between man and God is sin problem. And God, at every point in time, in different dispensations, God looked for a way how to restore that fellowship, how to still 
have fellowship with man. But because he is God and is a righteous God, he is a holy God, and a righteous God cannot have fellowship and relationship with unholy people. So he decided to you know, create an avenue whereby he can communicate with man and man can communicate with him because he loved man so much. Are you following now? And that is one of the reasons why the offering of animals for the remission of sin came in. So that when animal is offered for the temporal cleansing of man, at least for a period of one year, you know, as the I don't know, we don't know the way the calendar of those times reads, but let assume that let's use our own calendar, which is 365 or 366 days. Amen. Hallelujah. So for the number of 365 days, at least their sins can be covered for the meantime. When they will need to return back to make another offering. Amen. Praise Jesus Christ. But from the book of Hebrews chapter 10 that we read last week, we discover that God is not interested in the offerings and sacrifices for sin. That is not what God wants. Hallelujah. So, and he decided to, you know, give us his son, Jesus, to sacrifice himself for once and for all remission of sin. So that there will not need for daily and yearly offerings and sacrifices. Because God is not interested in those daily offerings. What God needs is he wants to be in eternal fellowship, in eternal union with man. Am I communicating? God wants to be in eternal union with man, not in temporal union. And to be in eternal union with Christ will mean that because Christ cannot be in union with an only person, or unholy vessel. Let us put it that way. So that means that God wants a vessel that is permanently holy. Praise God. Praise God. For every child of God that is born again, you are permanently holy. Nothing can undo your holiness. You are permanently holy. God is in union with your spirit. And is in union with your spirit forever. And that was made possible by the offering of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus Christ. And that's just that's um last week. I remember that we read from the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, which says, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most only place that is the heavenly tabernacle once and for all. Once and for all. You should um, highlight that word, that phrase, 
Elias Bible, once and for all. Amen. It says, having obtained eternal redemption, eternal apolytrosis, eternal redemption. That is, he redeemed us eternally. Somebody say, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Say it loud and clear. Say, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Say, I am redeemed eternally. Amen. So, in the Old Testament, it took two goats on the day of atonement to provide temporary covering. Two. I said it last week, right? Okay. The word atonement is from the Hebrew word kafar. Kafar. Atonement. And it will mean to reconcile. Amen. To reconcile. Let us see the book of Leviticus, chapter 6, 16 rather, and um, from verse 3. Thus, Aaron came into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. For he shall put the holy linen, tunic, and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be guarded with a linen sash and with linen turban it shall be it shall shall he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. Verse 5. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats. Two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a bond offering. Verse 6 says, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goats on which the Lord lot fell, and offer it as a sin offering. But the goats on which the Lord fell to be the scapegoat shall be shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Are you following me? Let us hold on there. Two goats. One as a sin offering for sin offering and one will be a scapegoat. It is used as a reconciliation, as a cover for a period of one year. 
and that scapegoat, they will take it into the bush and release it to go as a covering. That is, that goat is punished for the sin of the whole of Israel. Are you following me? So it is called, and that is that is the reason why in our schools today they will say, I'll, "I'll make you the scapegoat." That is the where the word generated from. That is, you are the one that will be that will receive the punishment for others. Can you see? So that scapegoat will go and serve the punishment that Israel should serve. So instead of God punishing all of them for their sins, he punishes the goats. And the, the goats will be sent into the wilderness. Are you following him? So look at such offering. Such offering is not well acceptable before God. It's not well acceptable before God. But when it comes to the turn of Jesus, Jesus offered himself as a propitiation, a last most. He offered himself, he received a punish both the sin offering and the reconciliation offering. He paid for the two. He bear our sin on the cross. He received the guilt, our guilt. He served as our scapegoat. Can you see that? And he did that eternally. He pleases the wrath of God. He appeased the wrath of God and that, and that sacrifice bring God to a place of perfection perpetual happiness and joy with man. Are you following me with mind? Are you following me with your mind? I know that your minds are enlightened. There is the light of God flowing in your mind in Jesus' name. And you are understanding what we are explaining to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Verse 11, rather. Romans 5 and verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have, we have now received the reconciliation that enabled them life in Christ. Can you see? That the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus undo what Adam did. And it brings us into reconciliation with God. Tell yourself, say, my sins are forgiven me by the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus served as a scapegoat for my sin. Jesus received the punishment. I cannot be punished. The grace of Jesus 
is flowing upon me, is empowering me against sin, is empowering me against temptation, is empowering me against Satan. Hallelujah. Now, let's talk about the third one, then we go into the next thing. We are talking about what makes Christ and his work superior to the Old Testament priesthood. Number three. Christ's sacrifice is superior in its accomplishment. In its accomplishment. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 13 and 14. The Bible speaking there and it says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a ether sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without his spots to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I've said this. There's something I'm going to say now about this now that I've not said before in the past. I'm talking about what a sacrifice accomplished. Are you get what I'm saying? The blood of good bulls and goats cannot cleanse the conscience. Can you see? But the blood of Jesus cleared our conscience. If God is not remembering your sin, why are you remembering it? If God is not remembering, if God does not have record of your sin, why are you keeping the record? You are keeping the record because Satan wants to be reminding you of those sin. And anytime you will remember your sin, you feel guilty. Because a sinner feels guilty. Amen. But you see, when we shift to the spiritual, God does not want us to feel guilty. He doesn't want us to remember those sins anymore. Because he has pardoned us. He has forgiven us. But Satan wants you to remain in that mess. You want to keep on pondering on it. How you are not good. How you are not worthy. I'm not worthy to be before you. Listen to me. You are worthy. You know that that word is common among the believers when we want when we are praying. Say, Father, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be before you. Abby, we say it. That is a wrong prayer. Hmm? We used to. Those people that those people are not here. You know, I know that people here don't say that again. You know, I'm not worthy to be to stand before you. I'm not worthy. You are not worthy because you remember that um, as you were going on the street yesterday, somebody abused you and you two say, I, 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 is, your, is your head correct? And you feel like, ah, a believer shouldn't say that. Yes, a believer shouldn't say that. But you made a mistake. But that mistake does not make you to be the enemy of God. He loves you so much. Are you get what I'm saying? So the grace for you to stay steadfast, not to return 
to those mistakes. That is the grace that you will pray to for God to make available for you. And over time, as you fellowship with Him, you are grown certain things. You are grown those things. Let us stop there on that. Let us move back to that book of Hebrews chapter 8. In the book of Hebrews chapter 8, the author's argument is that by just so much as the new covenant is better than the old, the priesthood of Jesus is better than that of Aaron. That's what that um, author of Hebrews was proving in chapter 8. Let us see the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6 says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises, a new covenant. Hallelujah. Praise God. Is somebody following me at all? At to this point, are you still with me? Because I'm going into a different thing now. And I want you to flow along. I told you that Hebrews 8.6 is the central theme of the book of Hebrews. That is the central theme. And that is, if you understand Hebrews 6, it gives meaning to the whole of the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, verse 6. Eh, the whole of chapter 8, rather. It says, but now, he has obtained, he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry. The ministry that is better than the ministry of Aaron is better than Aaronic ministry. You know how they conduct their own service. You know how they offer their own sacrifices. You know how they do their own um, ministrations. But this Jesus came with a better ministry. By what he offered. Amen. It says, in as much as he is also he is also mediator. You know what a mediator does? Standing between two people. So he said, mediator of a better convenient. Can you see? Get the, the, the usage of words in the Bible. Ec more excellent ministry. If you say something is more excellent, it means that there is one that is inferior to it. Isn't it? And if you say something is better, it means that there is one that is lesser to it. Amen. So the ironic ministry is lesser is inferior to that of Jesus' ministry. The author of Hebrews could establish that to the Hebrews. Are you following me? Praise God. 
praise God. And it says that this birth covenant was established on a better promises. Sister, I get your answer. More excellent ministry. Excellent that than which which one? Than ironic history. Mediator of a better covenant. So that means that the old covenant also have a mediator. So he is a mediator of a better covenant. Then the last one says, a covenant that was established on a better promises. Three things in that scripture that is that they are called for understanding. Hallelujah. The reason why we are discussing because everything that happened in the Bible is applicable to us today. The reason why it's applicable to us today is the fact that a whole lot of people are still operating under the old covenant ministry. They claim to be in the new covenant, but ignorantly, they are operating under the old covenant. And there is no way you can be operating under the old covenant and be getting a better result. The result will not, won't get result. Are you following me, sister? For an instance, in the old covenant, the people of Israel, they needed to see, they needed to see the physical priesthood. The high priest must be physical. Are you following me? So when the high priest takes their offerings to the throne of God, to the holy of holies, they are because they can see him going. They are assured that their sins will be forgiven then for the period of one year. They are assured that all their demands will be supplied. Can you see that? That's Old Testament um, ministry. Today, in the ministry of Jesus that is established on a better covenant, we don't need to see our priest. Are you getting what I'm saying? Before we know that our sins are forgiven, but today, some people still, ah, my bishop, they see God through bishop. So they are still making a human to be a mediator between them and God. Can you see that? Instead of the high priest to back to sit on the same pedestrian with the congregation and point them to Jesus. 
is standing in the place of Jesus, is covering Jesus, making Jesus to be uh, uh, invisible. Or visible, rather. Invisible, right? Is pointing to himself that when you see me, you see God. When you see me, you see God. They do that. Seth can be can be so subtle. If you are a believer and you are not sensitive, you'll be you'll be swept away by the devil, by the subtlety of the devil. The devil is so subtle that when he scares you off the track, you won't know. When it will make you to start presenting yourself as the God or as the mediator, you will know. And they turn you to idol because they can see you. So is that happening today? Is it happening today? Yes. And that is why we are discussing it. So that you know that you relate with your high priest by faith. It is by faith you know that your sins are forgiven. You don't need to see anything. It is by faith that you know that your offerings are accepted before God. You don't need anybody to, you know, to represent you. Are you getting me? Hallelujah. So if you check that Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. This is the main point. Hallelujah. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. If you check that Hebrew chapter 1, it says, this, now this is the main point of the things. The main point is from the Greek word kephaleon. Kephaleon. And it means the principal thing. It means the sum total. The sum total or the chief point. This is the sum total of what I am saying. This is the chief point of what I am saying. Hallelujah. And he now established what he was saying in chapter 6, in verse 6. Let's read that Hebrews 8 from verse 1 to 6 straight. For this is the main point of the thing we are saying. This is the main point. We have such a high priest who seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens. That's the number one main point. That we have a high priest who is seated when he finished his work, he sat. Are you going sister? I'm going somewhere. Note that word, seated. When he offered the sacrifice, and that sacrifice pleases God, you know, it accomplished the purpose for which it has. He sat. Why? Because there is no need for other offering. 
Are you getting me? There is no those that return again and again to offer. The Bible didn't say that they sit. Let us see it. Open your Bible with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Let's read from verse 11. It says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take sins away. They stand. Are you following me now? So, there, there is no room for them to sit. And do you know where Jesus Christ is at? I will explain to you. See. There is a seat that is placed in the Holy of Holies. It is called Mercy Seat of God. It's called Mercy Seat of God. Listen. When maybe ironic order of priesthood, when they want to enter into that holy of holies, which typified the throne of God, they go with incense with several protocols. There is fear even in their own mind. Because they are afraid of God's presence. The God presence frightened them with the incense. Hello, if I should throw incense in this place now, hmm, we won't begin, we won't see ourselves clearly anymore. Because of the smoke. So the priest. The high priest is not even seeing the mercy seat clear. He's not even seeing the mercy seat clearly because of the smoke of the incense. He's not seeing it clearly, talkless of sitting on it. Seat clear. Eh? But this man, ah, look at. I don't know. I just love the book of Hebrews. I just love that book. I love <laughs> the book of Hebrews. Huh? This high priest, Jesus, entered not even earthly tabernacle. The type of the original. The high priest, after the order of Aaron, did not even see it clearly. Talked of sitting on it. But Jesus entered into the original tabernacle, the heavenly tabernacle, and he sat, after his offering, he sat on mercy seat. He seated there today. Huh? He sat on mercy seat. So, there is consistent mercy. Because your savior, your mediator, sat on it. That was what that man was saying. The author of Hebrews was saying that this is the main point. This is main point. Listen, clear. The 
a running order of priesthood did not sit because their work never complete. They didn't finish the work of your redemption. It is always done temporarily. It's just an appease. It's just appease. They just is a covering. It's a temporal thing. Are you following me, church? Now, this is the main point. The kephalion. Hallelujah. And the main point is that we have such a high priest. Do you know that he was doing a comparison? It was doing a comparison. This old covenant and the new covenant. And that is why we are having a talk of superiority of the new covenant over the old. Are you getting me, church? If you get me, say amen. So, we have such a high priest who seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. The throne of the majesty was in the holy of holies on earth before. Covered by the veil. But now this Jesus entered into the heavenly tabernacle. Into the holy of holies in heaven. And offered his own sacrifice. Offered his blood in the heavenly tabernacle. And that blood pleases God. And nobody have ever seen on that mercy seat before. And he said, Let us therefore compose before the throne of grace. To do what? To obtain mercy. Who sat on the mercy seat? Jesus. He was just there. So, at every point in time, mercy is available. Mercy is available. Mercy is available. Unending mercy. That is what we have as believers. Unending mercy. We have unending mercy. If anybody tell you that your mercy, that the mercy that you have is can hand, tell the person that you are not under the whole covenant. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I enjoy unending mercy. Say your own. Uninterrupted mercy. Hallelujah. Now, look at number two things that he said. Because two things he actually mentioned when he said this is the main point of what I'm saying. Number two. He said, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you say true tabernacle, it's not talking about the English language that is true or false. You get what I'm saying now? Because the tabernacle is talking about, it's not a tabernacle that you can say true or false. It is heavenly tabernacle. Are you get what I'm saying now? The, the Greek word is aletinos. True, true there is aletinos. Aletinos. And what it means is reality. 
he entered into the real tabernacle. Not that true or false tabernacle or the, you know, good or bad tabernacle. No, that is not what he's saying. They, he entered into the real tabernacle. Amen. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. This is the main point that I'm, I'm telling you. Says this high priest is a minister of the sanctuary. That is the high priest ministering. And what was his ministry? What the 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 old the, the old testament high priest? What, what, what were they ministering? What were they ministering? Because it is the same thing they were ministering that Jesus Christ ministered. They are serving the same purpose, but one is temporal, one is eternal. Are you hearing me now? What they are ministering is they are ministering remission of sin. They are ministering uh, they are pacifying God. But when the Old Testament priest will come to pacify God, God says, okay. But I'm still not pleased. I'm still not pleased. But I will still pardon you for a while. Until when I see another offering. If they by mistake not go back to offer sacrifice, what do you think will happen? God will be angry with them. God will be angry with them. Hallelujah. Praise God. And one thing I want you to also get from here is that that tabernacle is erected in, in heaven and it's not erected by man. But the earthly one was erected by one. Let us see Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 24. Hebrews 9 24. It says, For Christ has not entered the only places made with earned which are copies of the truth but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Note what he says. Notice again. Let me read verse 24 again. Hebrews 9, 24. Are you with me? For Christ has not entered the only places made with ants, which are copies of the true. Can you see that? They are copies of the true tabernacle. It's the one, the earthly tabernacle is photocopy. The true one is situated in heaven. But he entered into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Jesus appeared in the presence of God for us. Hallelujah. Let us go and read the whole of Hebrews chapter 8 before we come back next week. How many of us will do that? Read it with the understanding of what I've explained to you. Read it in the light of what I've explained. It will be more clear. How many of us have been you've been benefiting from the teachings that we do seriously? They're really changing you. You are just getting exposed to scriptures. Let me see you. Thank you. Because I want to be sure that you're not just 
maybe I'm not good at explaining things or you are not grappling what you are saying. Amen. Are you getting it? Yes. There's no way you will not get it. There's no way you will not get it because there is the Spirit of God in the inside of you that is bringing the Word of God to your understanding. Amen. And anytime you are coming to class, just pray. Father, let my spirit of understanding be enlightened. I just want to understand your word. I want it to be clear to me. Hallelujah. And you see that to be seen light. Any question? I ask you to go and read the whole of that book because I want to move to chapter 9. I've, I've stayed too long on chapter 8, but up to now we have not completed it. Or we can just do ourselves a favor. Let us read it through. It's just, it's just starting. But it's, let's read through. Let's read verse, um, let's start from verse, verse 4, where we start last time. For if we were unhurt, we would not be a priest. For if you were, sorry, if you were unhurt, you would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things? Can you see? Copy and shadow. The earthly one is copy and it's a shadow. It's not reality. That's what we read the other time. We call true tabernacle. True, true, true. Aletinus, aletinus. Reality, the real tabernacle. Amen. Who serve the copy and, the, and shadow of the heavenly things? As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle for his set. Can you see? So, who is the instruction of the tabernacle? Moses. The instruction was given to Moses. By who? By angel. It was angel that gave Moses the instructions. Amen. Okay. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Ah, let me tell you one good news. How many of us is aware that that tabernacle today is in the inside of you? Mercy seat is in the inside of you. Christ is seated in the when why we say that Christ seated in the heavenly places, he's seated in the inside of you. God relocates, he relocated from the tanaku eh? and he find his place of abode in your inside. Do you not know that your body? Is the temple or tabernacle of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? Huh? Do you know what I said? So, when God left, when the cutting of the tabernacle, when Jesus Christ said it is finished, and the cutting just God 
God stepped out. And the mercy seat eh, became ordinary. The Ark of Covenant that uh, who carried that covenant that, that died? Uzziah. Uzziah or, or carried the, the Ark of Covenant and, and died. But when the curtain tear, eh, anybody can sit on it. In fact, you can jump on the Ark of Covenant then. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It became empty. But where did God find himself? Where is Ark of Covenant today? Boom. In the inside of me and you. That is where God sits. And that is where worship is going on. That is where Jesus is ministering. A better covenant. A better covenant in the inside. So you can see, you can see your what. You can see your value. Oh. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on a better promises, a new covenant. Verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been been sought for a second. So the old covenant was it faultless? Yes, it has fault. That's what the Bible says. It has fault in the sense that it cannot accomplish the purpose which is sent for. Not that on its own. Not that on not that on its own it is fault, but because it cannot serve, because it is temporal, it is a temporal covenant. Are you hearing me now? Verse 8. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. That was a prophecy. Which has find fulfillment in Christ. Amen. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the days when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they did not continue in my covenant, I disregarded them, says the Lord. The new covenant is not going to be like the old. It won't be like the one that was made with them when he took them out of the out of Egypt into the wilderness. Amen. So for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I think I have done this. I have done this part. I did it earlier when I when I explained to us the uh, the benefits of the new covenant. I gave us four points. You remember? Okay. Say, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in your, in their mind and write them on their hearts. Can you see? 
art imprint. I call that one art imprint. You remember? Art imprint. That is the law is more on tablet, but written in our everything is about our inside. We are inside out believer. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that what goes into your inside does not defile you. But what comes from outside? What comes from outside, inside? Like, don't eat this kind of food. Don't eat this. Those are the laws. He says, no. What comes from outside, inside, does not defile a man, does not make a man defile. But what comes from the outside, and from the inside, outside, that is what defiles him. Those thoughts that are the ins- coming from the inside of you. Can you, can you get something? Are the one that they pass. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Can you see? I will be their God. I call that personal relationship. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brothers say, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Amen. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deed. I will remember no more. Underline that one too in your scripture. <laughs> Did I put it there? Is it my word? It's not. Hallelujah. It's not my word. It is the word of God. And the last verse, in that, in that it says, a new covenant, listen to this last word. Please listen. Everybody look up. This is where I'm going to hand. In that it says, a new covenant, he has made the first absolute. What happened to the first? What is absolute? Expired. When something is expired, what does he use it for? Nothing. So tell anybody that old covenant is expired. So anything that anybody asks you to do, check it. Is it under the Old Testament? Is it under the New? If it's under the Old Testament, reject it. Reject it completely. Reject it as if you meet. Be deliberate about the rejection. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. There are a lot of things I can begin to mention that we still do today in our churches that are old convent. 